Welcome to the Inside Slant Podcast. Inside Slant Podcast. Brought to you by JayhawkSlant.com. Shay, where do you rank Bill Self's class? It's definitely one of the top 10 classes in the country. Bringing you all the latest info from the coaches, players, and recruits. Kirby, how big is this commitment? Well, he's the type of recruit that can change the whole class. For all of the latest KU news, analysis, and discussion, go online to JayhawkSlant.com. The online leader in recruiting and team coverage. Here's the staff from JayhawkSlant.com. Hey everybody, this is Randy Withers. Welcome into another edition of the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. And we have a ton of big news to talk about in this edition. The basketball Jayhawks are back on the positive side with two big wins. The Kansas football program has exciting things going on with football recruiting and the end of the second or the late signing period, shall I say. We're going to cover all of it and even answer questions from the football side of the suite. First, let me welcome in, though, my man on the basketball beat, Shea Wildeboer. Shea, how you doing? Let me grab my Joe Burrow. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm, I'm fired up. Back, the 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 Hawks are back rolling like I knew they would be. Uh, the Chiefs took care of business Sunday. Um, yeah, man, life is good. Life is good here. No question, no question about it. Let's go ahead and bring in John Kirby, our man on the football side of the Kansas Athletics beat. John, how are you tonight? Man, I'm doing well, guys. Good to be back. Uh, it was, you know, had a good podcast last week and ready to get this one going. Hey, like Shay said. Things are good. Like if you're a, if you're a fan around here and you're a KU guy and you got and you and you follow the Chiefs, you got a Super Bowl, you got basketball team back on track, you got you, football. We had some real good stuff here uh, with recruiting. So things are looking good. No question. I mean, it is. I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day, and we were talking about how you know how great it is to be a fan in this in this area right now. And I made I said you know I was like if you look back. This kind of run that we're on started, I'll make the case, this started 2012 when the Royals got to host the All-Star Game. That was really what kicked off their run. And you went from an All-Star Game, two World Series appearances, a World Series championship, then to five AFC AFC championships hosted at Arrowhead Stadium, three Super Bowl appearances, already a Super Bowl championship, a Kansas National Championship in basketball. I mean, it's 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 crazy the amount it's no, of it's no better. No better. And you no. know, I was watching I was watching Kemper um you know his reaction and, and the cool thing for me is you know I, you guys I didn't get to do this with my dad. I mean I didn't yeah. like like in high when I was in high school the Chiefs weren't going to AFC title games. Good they point. weren't going to Super Bowls. Yep. And so just to kind of have that experience with Kemper and the World Series and like Taking them to the final four. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is it's like a really good time around here. It is. This is it, this is. I heard somebody call it the other day. They were like, "This is the the golden age of Chiefs football," and there's no question about that, man. And it's and and 15 is just 27 years old. You know, what's crazy we, for me, guys, is that the, the event that stands out to me still. That's mine. I mean, right up there with anything was was the World Series. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, right. I, but I don't know. Maybe it's just because, you know, I've always been a baseball guy and been around baseball all my life. And, and, and the boy, my boys were playing baseball. I don't know. That, that World Series is tough to beat. I, I think part of it, too, is the fact that it's, you know, it's multiple games. You know, you play a series, obviously, instead of just playing one game. And I think that that pro, you know, it extends the time frame that that tension, that buzz around the playoffs and around the postseason is just something that is so unique to baseball. Well, well yeah. here's, the, here's the thing about that, too. Kipper and I were at the Oakland game and his mom like you guys, it went from like no success at all to like the Royals wild card and then World Series. I mean, we went from nothing to everything in a span of like, boom. You could make a case that it went from nothing to everything with one right. at bat. Right. It literally changed with when Salvi put that ball down the left field line. It everything, it put the world in motion. Well, right. you know, to me though, the baseball, it, it's it was maybe it means more to me because it was it's harder to do in the Royal situation with, you know, oh, yeah, with yeah. the salaries and and what clubs spend in baseball and how they're able to. Some clubs are able to spend so much more than others. Whereas mm-hmm. you get into football, you know, things are a lot more structured. Things are a lot more even to where, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, listen, it's easier to win a Super Bowl, in my opinion, than what the Royals were able to do with the payroll and the things that they had. And, and I mean, you know, th- that that was a that was just a unique time and just a special year. Right. Oh, sure. no question. No question at all. So, hey, let's let's go ahead and get back around to the, the topic at hand. And the first thing we got to do tonight is, you know, Shay, I got to give you some credit. Last week, you came on the podcast and the basketball team was on a three game skid. The first one that we can remember in quite a long time under Bill Self. You said everyone needs to not panic and things are going to be fine. And what happened? They respond with two big wins over Kentucky and Kansas State, just exactly as you said. What got this team back on track, and why have they played so much better the last two games? Well, for, I think, you know, anytime you face adversity, I think anytime you, your back's up against the wall, um, anytime you open the paper and you're an underdog and, and people don't think you can be successful on the road, I think that's a motivating factor. This is a team that in April that cut down the nets and was the national champion. Um I just think that the, 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 Bill Self always talks about a tight huddle, you know, always mm-hmm. staying together, um, you know, working as a team, working through adversity, and that's what they had to do in Kentucky. Listen, they got down early, but I think I read that they led for 30 minutes. I mean, they did a great job, and I know Oscar has some numbers, um, but, you know, you had some guys step up, um, you know, hit some big shots. I think it was Dick. Um, McCuller hit the shot, the three, with, like, the shot clock running out. Then you had Grady. um, and Wilson hit back-to-back threes, and they just, you guys, they imposed their will on Kentucky. That was a game that they were not going to lose. They've never had a four-game losing streak under Bill Self, um, and I think that that's something they stress because when you look at that streak, and then you come home, you got to play K State, um, and obviously they, they took care of business. Then you got to go to Iowa State, and then you come home to Texas. So I think it was a situation where they just, you know, they rallied together, um, played some defense, um, you know, made some shots, and. As big as that win was, you guys, I mean, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't a complete outing yet. I mean, I'm, I'm still waiting for this team to kind of put everything together. Um, you, you, you look at what they did against Kansas State um, on Tuesday night. Again, not a complete outing. I think in order for this team um, to really reach its ceiling, you got to have the bench. 
Um, you know, you got to have guys like Grady. I mean, Grady, if you look at all these guys' are shooting numbers the last four or five games, none of them have shot the ball particularly well. Um, True. But, you know, for me, it, it all starts on the defensive end. You know, you got to attack the glass. I, I think, um, if I remember right, Kentucky had zero second-chance points, which was which was huge. Um, you know, they kept them off the glass, um, won the battle on the boards. And, um, you know, just, just who wanted that more? It was a man's game, battle of wills. And, um, you know, Kansas clearly wanted that game. They needed that game. Um, and, you know, now the outlook on the season now, as opposed to a week ago, is completely different. No question. And, you know, this this league is an absolute grind. I mean, the Big 12, just when you you feel good about a couple a couple wins, you know, at Iowa State and Texas. That's your next big test. There's no break whatsoever None. when you've got to match up with the Cyclones and then UT. What are your thoughts on these next two matchups? You know, Iowa State, and I felt the kind of like this way going into Kentucky. I mean, Iowa State, you, uh, they've got guys that can hit shots. And, mm-hmm. and the thing that you absolutely have to avoid is um, an avalanche. You know, Caleb Grill's going to hit threes. Um, you know, Gabe's going to hit threes. Guys are going to come out and hit threes. You, you have to be able to weather that. You know, if you get down by eight or ten, which, which you hope you don't, but if you do, you got to be able to weather that. You know, against Kansas State, Kansas got off to a, really a pretty good start. Um, got uh, Got the Wildcats down early. Um, and never relinqu- relinquish that lead. You know, the thing about Iowa State is is they're, th- those fans want blood. Uh, mm-hmm. They absolutely hate Kansas. Um, yep. And I know if you guys look at the last game, Caleb Grill, um, it was a struggle for him. He didn't play particularly well. Um, and he's a guy that can really – he's kind of reminds me of kind of like a Grady Dick in terms of what his shot from the outside beyond the arc can do. So, yeah, you, you got to weather the storm. You got to go out. You got to hit shots. Um, I know today Self said that – McCuller and Pettifer would not practice, but would be available. Um, you know, those guys got to be as healthy as they can. You got to get bench minutes. You know, D- Grady to me is the X factor. He's a guy that's really got to start hitting shots because, you know, if you look at the K-State game, there are several instances where if he hits one or two of those shots, the game's over way before it was. And mm-hmm. that's what that's what he can do. I mean, that's what that's his bread and butter. I mean, he's a guy. Um, he's an assassin. So if you get a guy like that that can hit two or three of those extra shots a game and create a little bit of separation more than you already have it, I mean, to, to me, that's what he, they, they've got to keep the crowd quiet. Um, you know, they got to get some bench points. Um, and, and the guys are just playing a lot of minutes. I know we said this last week, but those guys are just playing way too many minutes. But Dewan Harris is, is, is coming back. He's, he's playing really well. Um, you know, Jalen's been solid all year long. KJ's been great. Um, you know, obviously Zuby now, um, you know, on the bench. No Cam still, no Kyle. Um, you know, they got to get some quality minutes from Ernest and, and to me, MJ, you know, I figured he would come in and be a guy that would play immediately. Yeah. Like self said today, like at the halftime of the K-State game, he told self he couldn't go. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, bench, um, you know, you can't turn the ball over careless turnovers. I mean, this is a team on um, the last few games that has really been careless at times with the basketball, just, you know, unforced errors. So just just things like that. I mean, they've been there before. They know what to do. And um, it'll be a wild atmosphere Saturday at 11 o'clock and another opportunity just to take that next step forward. Shay, that's the kind of insight we need from a guy that told us just a week ago, everything is going to be fine. I'm going to go get my Joe Burrow, baby. And it's (laughs) Burrow hit Burrow hit my ass. I know, right? Yes. Jabroni. Yes. That's our man, Shea Wildeboer, on the basketball beat. Shea, thanks for hopping on with us. You guys have a good night. You too. We're going to switch gears now, hop over to Kansas football, and bring back in my man, John Kirby, the publisher of Jayhawk Slant. 
And John, you know, we scheduled this podcast to talk about the 2023 class. And what's funny is the biggest news of the week came this morning with a commitment in the 2024 class coming in already. Tell us about Isaiah Marshall. Yeah, Randy, he is a, you know, this is, I kind of call it a connection commit, right? I mean, you've got a lot of things going on here. Number one, you've got several guys from Detroit that he knows or where they're from and is very familiar with them. He told me he knows Rich Miller. Um, so there's there's that connection. And then Chris Simpson, who has done, and, and, and he knows Lorenzo McCaskill, I apologize, the linebacker. They went to the same high school. Chris Simpson has recruited that area, and I mean, Chris Simpson is well-liked in Detroit. He does a great job, as the Kansas fans can just see from the results. But he, mm-hmm. he got to know Marshall. He knows the family real well. Um, God, I love his film. I mean, he when you watch his film, he does a little bit of everything. He's a, And I've talked to people, he's a leader. Okay, He's mobile. He can extend plays. He's not just mobile in that he takes off and runs. He's mobile in that he has really good pocket presence and he can feel when the pressure is and he can slide around. You you know those guys that just have that. Todd, Todd Reesing had that. Where yeah, uh, and and you know Todd Todd wasn't the greatest athlete and the fastest guy, but man, he found ways to just skip and go around tacklers and and keep mm-hmm. plays alive. And that's what Marshall does. Um, you know he's he throws on the run really well. I, I mentioned that on the message board when you watch him. Um, he can throw with some velocity and some accuracy when he's going on the run. Uh, you know, this is a guy. He, he makes a lot of different throws. He can throw with touch. There's a lot of there's a lot of plays on film where he's just putting that. It's a real nice catchable ball where he's got some touch, and then he'll he'll put some zing on it when he has to. But this is a guy that the staff targeted. They targeted him as I felt one of their top quarterback guys from the get go. And you know, they told him that. A lot of his game reminds them of Jalen Daniels, okay? And I think that's important to note because what Kansas has going right now, and they got it going on offensively, and they're mm-hmm. gonna be they're gonna be tough for defenses to stop this year because they're bringing so many so many bodies back. Everybody knows the system. Everybody knows what they're doing. And Andy Kotelnicki, if he can get guys like Isaiah Marshall and and people that fit his scheme. He can just keep rolling at KU, right? He doesn't have to stop and change his scheme or or stop, you know, start doing other things because he doesn't have the right personnel. If he keeps recruiting the guys that fit what he wants to do, he can just keep this thing rolling. So something else with Marshall, and we brought this up on the board too because somebody was talking about a pass quarterback and what will be the difference between Marshall or some other, you know, some other quarterback who wants to decommit. You know, Marshall wanted to be at Kansas, okay? He took two visits. He visited in November for the Texas game. And something that stood out, he told me after the Texas game, is, you, you know, Randy, when you get your butt kicked at home, the last thing a coach really wants to do sometimes is sit there and spend an hour or so or talk with a recruit, okay? Yeah. But Marshall was really impressed with Zabrowski. After that Texas game, he talked with him and 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 told him where he'd fit and showed him the offense and and was very accommodating. And, and th- those little things stand out. But he visited campus twice, and then he also visited for the junior day when they played Indiana in basketball. So, you know, Isaiah Marshall, he, he, had, a, he had a lot of stuff going on. He's got some offers, and he's got people that will look at him. 
but he wanted to be a Jayhawk. And, and I think that's important to know. So what a what a great way to keep going in that 2024 class. I mean, we're sitting here, the 2023 inks barely dried on the LOI, although they uh although the kids don't sign their LOIs anymore. But I mean, it's um, you know, great start to the 2024 class. No question. You know, another piece of news that came out just today was Rivals released their top 25 portal teams, and the Jayhawks come in at number 25, just behind Nebraska, Missouri, and Florida. Kirby, were were you surprised? What did you think about that? Yeah, I wasn't surprised. Uh, I didn't know what to expect because, you know, we've really um, picked up and got into the portal rankings. This is the first year, so I just Mm -hmm. didn't know how it was going to work. But I said on last week's podcast— I really like the portal class. I said that they took, you know, they covered a lot of needs. And, and I said last week, what was there? There was a, a four star and maybe eight three stars. So I figured that would accumulate some points. I just didn't know what everybody else had. You know, you look at some of these classes and you see guys with 38 commitments, 41 commitments, 37 commitments, and you're sitting here going, who's getting cut? Because there's going to be some kids getting cut from some of these programs who are bringing in so many teams, and and it's hard to figure out right where where schools rank. You know, I was looking at TCU's class. I don't know, it was a week or two ago, and I don't know what they I don't know what they finally came up with. But they had three four stars and a three star. Okay. Well, does that outrank a four-star and eight three-stars? You see what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. so you don't really know how it's going to play out. But I, I think I think finishing 25th there and just being right on the edge of the 25, that's something you can sell to people that, you know, what you're doing recruiting-wise is getting recognized. And, and obviously, it means a lot for the fans, you know, to see that. So, you know, uh, you know it just shows they got some quality players in the portal. No question. You know, we've talked about the class, in, and in the last podcast, we went through, you know, we talked about all the names, and you've gone through some of the things that you liked in this portal class as well. So I want to do I want to do things a little bit differently this time. I'm going to make you earn your money, Curb. I'm going Uh-oh. to ask some specifics about this signing class and the portal class. Now, if there's a player you feel might be a little underrated or maybe not talked about in bo- in, in either the portal class or the high school class, Give me one in each. How about that? Well, if there's a uh, high school, God, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you a guy that committed, and, and he's just been, things have been quiet, and I really think he's got a good future ahead of him. I'm going to go with Marcus Calvin, defensive tackle from Florida, 6'3", 290 pounds. You know, th- this kid grew up playing basketball. And even mm-hmm. a couple years ago, he thought his sport was going to be basketball at the Division One level. And I, at some point, we we posted this on the board, but you can go watch his basketball highlights on Huddle. And I mean, Randy, this guy's six three two ninety, and I mean, he's sitting out on the point, handling the ball. He can drive. He, he puts up. He hits some threes. And you know, like I said, it's just not a guy just hooping. This is a kid that's six three two ninety. So he's got good feet, and I think he's a guy. He gets in Gildersleeve's strength program because I don't know where he's really been in a strength program through his high school. And he turns his focus fully to football, and, and they work on him, and they work on his body. He's got all the tools to be explosive. And and the, the other guy, you ask about a portal side of somebody who's underrated. I'll tell you, the only two-star position player was Spencer Lavelle. And... You know, it's interesting. I get it. You know, some, you know, rankings are never right. You can always nitpick and say, hey, he should have been a three star. This guy should have been a four star. But it is what it is. 
But with Lavelle, he played, I don't know, 20 games at Arizona State. Then last year, he goes to Cal. He transfers there. He wins the starting job at Cal. He starts the first three games, then he gets injured. So this guy's played Pac-12 football. He's played Power 5 football. And let me tell you, I mean, I know Kansas returns their guards. I know Pooney's back, Four's back. You know, Reed Adams has played some football. But I'm telling you right now, Spencer Lavelle is a big dude. I mean, he's 330 pounds. He's he's strong. He's He's gone through a college system. So I know he's the only two-star position player. But I'll tell you what, if you talk about a guy that I think could come in right away and start pushing guys for a starting job, it's that guy right there because he has started. He started at Cal. He won a job. So he's proven he can do that before. Now, if there were two areas from the portal class that you felt – had to be improved, and the staff did it, what would those be? Well, I mean, no doubt, the defensive line. I mean, when you look, listen, I mean, there's when this all went down, when Lonnie Phelps left too, it was trouble. I mean, you Mm -hmm. lose Sampson, Burt, Wilson, okay? Those are your three of your top inside producers, okay? You turn around, you lose Lonnie Phelps, okay? You lose Malcolm Lee, who Malcolm Lee – is just a guy. He's just always under the radar. Pro Football Focus had him at like 67, 68 on the year. And I heard through coaches throughout the year, Malcolm Lee had a real steady year. So that defensive line, you had to find guys or it was going to be trouble. And I think they mm-hmm. did a good job with Devin Phillips from Colorado State who came in. He, he started every game at Colorado State that he played there. Gage Keys, who was going to be an inside guy, he's going to bring some athleticism in there and, you know, 6'5", 280, and Panagos recruited him to Minnesota. So there's some inside guys. And then you've got Austin Booker and Patrick Joyner on the outside. And, I mean, you know, Booker is a, you know, God, when you watch him, he's a really good athlete. He's got long arms, like an 85-inch wingspan. And, and oh, again, wow. Yeah, some size. And then Patrick Joyner. I mean, this guy, I don't know that he's explosive as Phelps, but I think there are some similarities. You know, he's about 6'2", 6'3", and he's probably about 240, 245. And he's got some athleticism. I mean, it came down to KU and TCU, and he felt that you know the Kansas four three defense was just going to be a better fit for him than 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 the, that three man front that TCU uses because their ends got to be about two sixty five to two seventy five two eighty, and it just wasn't a great fit for him. So those four guys right there are big, and, and they're going to have to produce and, and jump in and help that defensive line, and then. Hey, I'm going to tell you the other area that, that the portal that that they they really came up big in, and this is probably something that hadn't been talked about is special teams. I mean, they got Damon That's a Greaves. Good point too. Yeah, they got Damon Greaves, the punter from Australia. Interesting story. You know, Aaron Miller, who is the special teams analyst at at KU, so he came from Ohio State. When when he was a special teams analyst there, working with punters, their punter there led the NCAA in punting. Then he goes to Rutgers, okay? And when he was at Rutgers, they went to Pro Kick Australia to get their punter. That guy just won the Ray Guy Award this year at Rutgers, all right? So now, what does Kansas do? Miller's on KU staff now. He goes back to Pro Kick. And these guys at Pro Kick, I mean, they got to keep their reputation good. And they make sure and send guys they think are quality punters over to the United States. And if they send enough guys that don't pan out, Randy, then people stop calling them. 
All right. Yeah. So, I mean, you've been through that and w- what you do with, with recruiting and your and your seven on seven stuff. I mean, at some point you got to keep your reputation good. So I know this guy came, uh, Greaves came very well thought of. I heard he booms it. I heard there's film of him working in, in workouts where he's kicking the ball and he just booms it. And, you know, he's going to get what, three, three more months here, three and a half more months over there to work with pro kick on I'm sure they're going to fine tune things uh, directional kicking and pooch punting and some of this and and I don't know if he's an on you know I don't know if he's one of those side kick guys that runs and then kicks it I don't know but I, I mm-hmm. just know that that I have heard a lot of things that he is very talented and then Seth Keller they got a place kicker from Texas State who's kicking 85 86% of his field goals over the last 3 years converting those he's kicking at the division 1 level he's not using the tee he's he's kicked in stadiums before so those are two pretty good pickups right there to to you know enhance their special teams which they set out to do now there are four high school players that are already on campus right now who among those guys the the newcomers the youngins can have the fastest impact on this program john Huh. Ham Clemens. You know what? I'm gonna say Siraj. Um um Bunkum. And you've receiver. been hot you've been high on him since he committed. You've well, been I'm, very I'm t- consistent with that. And I'm gonna tell you why, Randy. I just a couple weeks ago I was sitting around just rewatching some film of some of the guys. Let me mm-hmm. say something. He's good. He's good. And and I know KU brings back some receivers, but I mean they've also got to have some depth. You know, in case there's an injury or somebody goes down or or somebody needs a break during a game. And I think Bunkum coming in in the spring and getting a chance to learn the offense, I'm telling you, he's got some speed. He's got good hands. Uh, he's got decent size. I think he's a guy to watch in, in that receiver mix. Now, before we get into subscriber questions, and we've got plenty of them, John, I want to I, I, I want to know, we'll get into a bowl game. This year, you know, in, in, in Lance Leipold's second season in Lawrence and the exposure that that brought to the program with having one of the, you know, the most entertaining bowl game of the season against Arkansas. Will that have a big impact on this 2024 class or not? Yeah, I think we're already starting to see it. You know, um, if you talk about what they were able to accomplish, Randy, I think one of the big things from the season last year that they're still getting mileage out of is having the ESPN game day crews in Lawrence. And and, True. and that is something they're still selling. And it's something that recruits are, they, they remember, they watched. I mean, it was one of the most watched game days of the year. So, you know, you take that, you take the bowl game. And I think we're already starting to see it. I mean, you got Red Martell who's committed. You just had Isaiah, Isaiah Marshall commit today. So they're already off to a, a good start. I don't think they got their first commitment until June for the 2023 class. So here we are in February. They've already got two on the board. So I think that goes to show you there. And just look at some of the juniors they're getting on campus. I mean, they had a, a junior day in December. They had two in January. They're going to have one in the early part of March. So if you look at some of the guys who are showing up to these junior days, I'm not saying they're going to get these guys, but I think they're getting in the door faster with them. And I think now when the KU coaches call, all of a sudden these recruits are picking up. Okay, Well, maybe in the past – they weren't getting these recruits weren't picking up, but now they're picking up the phone from the KU coaches. All right, John, we have a lot to do and a little bit of time to do it in. We're going to go rapid fire, and we have literally a pile 
of of subscriber questions. Some of y'all got a little out of hand with this, but hey, we're gonna get. Hey, hold on. Now you say rapid fire, okay? I'm gonna do my best, but I do <laughs> I do want to take my time and answer these right. So I know oh, I know yeah. we're rapid. Oh yeah. Let let me roll on a few of them if I get going. And hey, 300 miles to Goodland. I took care of him. I promised that we'd do this. And we're doing it. So <laughs> yes, you did. Hey, you you are true to your words. So let's let's get right into it. Silas Buddy with the first one. Do you see KU setting up a home and away game with Texas or OU anytime in the future after they leave for the SEC? He says he could care less about Texas, but games with OU would be interesting. I say the answer to that is one hundred percent no way. Um, <laughs> I mean, hey, once I, what, I don't see how there's any question of that ever happening. Yeah, once those guys leave the conference, the last thing you want to do is put Oklahoma on the schedule. I mean, you're trying to find wins. Um, yes. Yeah, I say you schedule Texas, uh, Texas State. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, very very good point. So Vader Hawk had the next one. He says, uh, you know, they seem to have addressed special teams, like you just said, with the addition of a punter and kicker. Who among the new additions is likely to compete for the punt returner job? Good question. Oh, that is a good question. Man, that, and I don't know that I have an answer for that. Um, hey, I'll tell you the guy, and he's not on campus yet, Jameel Croft from Detroit. I think he's, uh, I think he's a fun guy to watch, and I'll, so I'll go with him. Wow. Okay. You know, we know bring back me and Gino has kind of a, a different, a different <laughs> worldview, shall we say? Um, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, this, this one, you know, this is Jayhawk slant going to Jayhawk slant, and he does with this. Do we convert Isaiah Marshall to safety? Because why wouldn't? We? <laughs> you know what? I didn't see that question, but anyways. Um... Yeah, oh, absolutely you convert him. I mean, come on. I mean, Brian Borland is probably just sitting there planting the seeds to get him over on defense right now. <laughs> oh, no question. With Hell that no. Frame... <laughs> All right, so McGuzzo asks, talk about the schedule and the best chance for road wins. That's that's more than one question, but okay. Um. Hey, all right, hold on. G- give me a second here. I, I mean, I've got to pull up the schedule just to go back over it. Um. Okay, road wins. I'm gonna go with Nevada. Okay, they okay. they struggled. They 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 struggled last year. I again, I don't know what they have coming back. Um, I'm gonna go Oklahoma State because we just talked about this on the board today. I, I just don't know what's going on at Oklahoma State. Um, you know, th- th- there were rumors that Spencer Sanders wanted to come back and th- they didn't bring him back and it made a lot of guys mad down there. And so a bunch of their top players entered the portal. I mean, Oklahoma State, yeah, they got some guys in the portal, but boy, they lost a lot. So, you know, I, I think that is a, a program that's going to be very interesting to watch. And then, I'll, hey, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Th- now, this could be one of those things you go into Cincinnati and it's a weather game because it's going to be late November. But I think that that is a winnable game on the road. I talked to Jason Stam, who runs our Cincinnati site, just a couple days ago, just to get a feel of what Cincinnati has. And he said, you know, there's going to be some new beginnings. I mean, they they Fickle went to Wisconsin to be the head coach. 
They lose some key players. There's going to be a couple guys that battle for a quarterback job there. And, and there's some guys they lose. So, I mean, you know, Cincinnati's kind of a program. I don't know if influx is the word, but they're just in transition. So Nevada, Oklahoma State, and Cincinnati are, are three that I'll throw out there. Okay, so any news on stadium renovation start date? Are they starting to upgrade to the football facility soon? Yeah, I I, I think it'll be soon. I mean, you know, the, they're getting spring, getting going early. They're starting at the end of February. The spring game will probably be, you know, early, probably sometime April. And then th- that, that gives them chances once they're done to start getting into that stuff. I think the beginning stuff, Randy, will probably be over at Anderson, Things like the locker room, the weight room, enhancements there would be more, you know, things that will help the players. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, anything that's going to start coming to the stadium, that's going to have to be after the season. So th- that's kind of how I see it right now. Strengths and weaknesses. This has come from any Crimson. In your opinion, strengths and weaknesses of the roster based on player position as it stands today? Well, we, we just talked about the front seven. And, mm-hmm. and getting the portal guys and the front the the front seven it is a still a concern. I mean, you you lose a lot of guys who are your production. There wasn't a ton of depth there. I mean, those guys are going to have to step up, and and the current guys that are coming back are going to have to improve. And you know, the listen, some other teams lined up and ran the ball and put up some big yards. So I mean, they're going to have to they're going to have to find a way to get stops. And and listen, there there were some games. Where the defense, you're sitting here going, oh, man, this again. And then next thing you know, second half comes along, and they'll go get four stops in a row or three out of four possessions. So there were times that the defense stepped up and responded. But but getting this front four shored up, I mean, that, that that's going to be a big deal. And it's going to be <laughs> – that's going to be one of the keys to where this program goes in 2023. And the strength, I love the offense. I mean – you know, you, you hope Logan Brown. How could you not? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, yeah, you got yeah. everybody back. I mean, everybody back, and 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 Kotelnicki now gives them another year in their system. And and listen, mm-hmm. we saw what he did in the, in the last off season, right? He he installs the option. Nobody really knows it's coming. He really throws it in against West Virginia. Had them all messed up. So what's he going to do this off season? So the, I I think that's that's the big thing. Now you got everybody who understands the language. It just gives him a chance to add more to it. So I love the offense coming back. Matt, 13 Jayhawk asked for players from last year's class who redshirted that could contribute now. Huh, well, I mean, God, there weren't a lot. You know, it was a small high school class, and there were some JUCO guys. You know, I've heard Alex Rach, the linebacker from Golden West, would be, mm-hmm. be one. And Jalen Dye, uh, the safety from JUCO safety from California. Uh, th- those are two guys that I'm going to go ahead and say that keep an eye on them. Okay, so Winnie, Winnie, Winnie. Winnie kind of went a little bit overboard. I've got five questions here from Winnie. So, oh, Winnie deserves it. Winnie's been with the slant for a long time. He can ask And I was five. I was about to say, he's, you know what, when you got that kind of longevity, it is okay. So let's Winnie's start got, with... Win, yeah, Winnie's got some street cred. No question. So let's, let's start with this one. How many... Ooh... And this is one. This is one I would ask you. How many players do you guess enter the portal after spring ball ends? Okay, so I'll answer his question with a question of my own. Okay. So, and it's a good question. I, I ask how many players will leave. 
He's asking how many players will enter the portal. I say how many will leave. And let me let me tell you why I asked that. There could be players who just get out of spring football and they say, I'm done playing football. Oh, okay? yeah. And they leave. Okay. So they're not entering the portal per se, but they're leaving the program, which still opens up a spot. Okay. Exactly. And that could happen. You could have maybe some of the specialists leave. Maybe somebody else says, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a senior. I, I see where I'm at on the depth chart. I don't want to play football. I'm stepping away. You still get those spots back now the, with the rules changing. So, But I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, I'll answer his question. I'll say I'm going to guess four to five. How about that? Okay, so now if new spots open up, what will be the positions of emphasis to backfill those? Will that depend on the group from which those players left, which obviously the answer to that is probably yes. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. Let, let, let's say you go through spring, okay? And let's say... It's writing on the wall. They're gonna they're gonna go with the with Greaves from Australia as the punter, and a punter enters and he gives up a spot a spot. Well, you're not gonna go replace him with a punter, okay? So I, I think that they'll still look at defensive ends, defensive tackles, offensive line. I still think those will be guys that they look at in this next portal round in the spring. Okay, let's talk about new players that could unseat any starters in the defensive backfield. Do you see any of those? Well, I mean, if I had to choose somebody, it would be Darius Demarius McGee coming from LSU. I mean, he's got the ability, you know, he just needs to get in there and and learn the system and get acclimated to the program. But, but he's definitely got the ability to, to push somebody. Okay. What players who saw, you know, that we didn't see anything from last year, do you think will step in and, and have a chance to be significant contributors? Well, I'm going to go back and uh, what I just answered there with Alex Rach and Jalen Dial. I'm going to go with those two. Will Baines or Lavelle unseat any starters on the offensive line? That's a good uh, question. Th- that's a great question. Um, and that could happen. I mean, like I just said, Lavelle started three games at Cal last year, and then he got injured in the Notre Dame game, and he was out for the rest of the year. So he's shown he can do it. I, I know they like Baines. Baines is a guy that can kind of move all over the line. He can play tackle. He can play guard. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think that that's why they're there is to push each other to get better. And I, I wouldn't surprise me. It, it, I think Lavelle could be a guy to really push somebody for a starting job. Okay, so Jayhawk and Zona, a guy that we all know, says, tell us about the changes you've seen in the depth and quality of the roster and the development, confidence, and attitude of the players. Well, I mean, in the depth and quality of the roster, I, I think it just speaks to itself that they're sitting at, they're they're bumping right up at the eighty five scholarships right now. So I mean, just the fact that they're going to be playing with a full roster. I don't remember the last time we could say that covering Kansas football. So mm-hmm. you know the, the 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 development and the quality of the roster is definitely there. And then when when you talk about confidence and attitude of the players, Randy, I think you got to look at like look look at who left the program. Okay, nobody that they really said we can't lose didn't leave the program. So when you talk about confidence, attitude, you talk about culture, I think that shows right there that the key guys, and there are guys who could have left. <laughs> don't 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 mistake that for, you know, that that they couldn't have left because there were guys that had opportunities, I promise you, to leave. But those guys all stuck around. So I, I think that shows a lot about the attitude and this confidence and kind of where it's going right now. I am surprised we haven't had this next question before. 
Let's talk about tight ends. Did not hear much regarding Huggins or Noah in season, so Cornish Game Ball is interested in hearing what you have to say about that. Yeah, that's a that's a great question too because you know I I thought I knew at fall camp sometime I thought Huggins may have been banged up, but then throughout the year, you know, I kept asking around. And everybody said no, he's healthy, he's ready to go. So I just think Randy right now. Listen, coaches get into patterns and they get into playing the guys that they've seen have success. Yes. I mean, listen, at tight end right now, how do you not go to Fairchild and Casey? Okay. Exactly. I mean, those are the two guys that have shown they can do it. They've been successful. They're going to be the guys next year. I, I have heard that, you know, one guy they like is Cardell and his athletic ability and what he can do. But Well, we've you know, seen Cardell. Cardell has produced. He's yeah, not but, an own factor. But he's sitting there behind these two now, okay? True. So you That's go Fairchild, you go Casey, you go Cardell. And the question was Noah and, and Huggins. And, and I just don't know right now where those guys sit in the rotation. I'm 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 with you on that one. I I, I kind of feel like some people, you know, yeah, I think they might be a little bit buried at this point, but hopefully not. Uh, so okay, Otis Livingston asks Stadium Allen uh, Anderson Family Football Complex talk. You've already done this. Uh, what have you heard regarding improvements? Any? Let's. You talked about things that the players maybe see more. Is there is there one thing that you've heard about that kind of stuck out to you? Well, no. I- I, I had heard, and again, I don't have any fact on this, but I heard that one of the things that could um, get some renovations the locker room. And, and that's pretty cool if true. I mean, oh, yeah. I think the weight room has been talked about as one of the things that, you know, Anderson Family Complex will be that first phase, if you will, right? I mean, I don't know if you're going to see a lot of groundbreaking around the stadium or anything like that, but Anderson Family Complex will be the what I would call like the the intro, the beginning of it. And, and it's going to be things, like I said earlier, that help the players out or maybe a weight room or locker room. That That's where I think the first part's going to be. That, that, that makes perfect sense. So KJ Hawk with two questions. One of our, you know, one of the, the really good posters on the board. First KJ, one. KJ Hawk. Yes. KJ Hawk 33. Oh, okay. Yo, yeah, absolutely. I, I just yeah. didn't. KJ Hawk was kind of vague, but when you threw the well, thirty-three on there, now I yeah. know who my man is. That that was that was my fault. I apologize for that one. So the one player, regardless of current need, that's a freshman high school guy, you know, a freshman incoming freshman coming out of high school, that's brand new to the Kansas program this spring or fall, that just excites you. You know, you mentioned Siraz. Maybe somebody else that excites you the most and why? I'm going to go Logan Brantley. Um, okay. Okay. I, I really think he can be a player. Now, you know, he's he's real good in space. He's kind of played like a safety in high school. I mean, we even had him rated as a safety, and they're supposed to change him over to linebacker. I requested that. But, uh-huh. you know, he, he's, he needs to put on a little bit of weight. But, boy, I'll tell you, he tackles well. He runs well. I mean, he can play the ball in the air. You know, something Leipold said about him back in December when they were talking about it, he said he's just the kind of guy that he thinks can be a team captain. So when you hear the head coach say that about somebody who isn't on campus yet, and then you watch Brantley's film and j- just kind of the kid's demeanor, I think he's going to be a guy over these next four years KU fans are going to like what he does on the field. 
Okay, I like the sound of that. Now, last question from KJ Hawk 33, another one. Portal, JUCO, and, you know, just transfers in general seem to be the preferred method for the offensive line and defensive line with a sprinkling of one to three high school guys. Do you think that's the formula for guys on the line of scrimmage going forward? Relying 50-50 on KU's own full-range line of scrimmage development and leveraging development already done by other programs are the days of taking six high school linemen done regardless of the clock across the classes? Well, I I think I understand the question here. And I think what he's saying is, is, is you know, are they going to continue to bring in some developmental guys like high school guys that you improve over time and then bring in some other guys, maybe from the portal or JUCO guys who have a year or two in a college weight room and are more physical and more experienced. And I think that's going to depend on the roster. Um, you know, when you look back at it, you, you had Nowitzki and Ford and Pooney and, and, and now you got Logan Brown and, and there were others too that are offensive linemen. But, but those guys came in and kind of now with Nowitzki and Ford, Obviously, they knew those guys from Buffalo. So so that's kind of a head start there. But some of these guys, Pooney was a great, great example. I mean, they find him. He comes in and, you know, he played really well and won a starting job. And then you've got the high school guys. And I think this really depends, Randy, year to year on what your roster looks like. Let's say one year you're starting a bunch of juniors on the offensive line, okay? Well, that year in that class... Maybe that's the year you load up on high school guys because you're saying, okay, I have my starting offensive line for the next two years. So knowing that, maybe you go out and sign more high school guys to develop. But I, I think it's obvious that Fuchs is going to go get his get his high school guys, but he's going to go to the portal too and, and get guys that he can bring in. And it's hard. <laughs> to to argue with what they've done there. Because if Logan Brown comes in and does what he can do, what a lot of people think he can do, and then, you know, you, you get Pooney from Central Missouri State that nobody thought was going to be a player. You know, mm-hmm. you had Ford from Buffalo. He's starting all the time. You got Nowitzki, uh, who's, you know, he's your anchor on the line. I mean, they, they've done a pretty good job evaluating some of these transfer guys. That is the final word and the final question. For our man, Sean Kirby, on the football side. And that does it for another edition of the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. We talked Kansas basketball. We gave Shea Wildeboer a chance to say, yeah, I told you so. After three straight losses, everything's going to be okay. And now the Jayhawks have righted the ship with two straight wins over Kentucky and Kansas State. We talked about the additions to the Kansas football program in the late signing period. We talked transfers. We talked portal. We talked everything in a wide-ranging conversation using questions from the board. You are up to date on all things Kansas athletics, football, and basketball. For my man, Shay Wildeboer, for my buddy and publisher, John Kirby, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. We'll talk to you again soon. This has been a podcast from jhawkslam.com.